I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, March 2nd. Off the back, Westoff, I need sirens. Give me fireworks. Give me that lion's roar because this is an emergency college edition of the Mini Break podcast. Joining me to break down what was an action-packed weekend of matches from the college tennis world. Let's get right into it. You know him as one of your favorite writers on our website, CrackRackets.com, the former four-star tennisrecruiting.net player. We affectionately refer to him here as Matt the Cracks to Koyak. Matty, always fun when we get a college tennis weekend like this, right? Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, it was a crazy weekend. I'm still trying to recover a little bit from it, but uh, I I think what better way to kind of chill out and and relax rather than talking about it with you guys. So let's let's get into it, man. I'll go to the flip side of that. One of the podcasts I recorded this weekend for our Patreon subscribers, those weekend mini break podcast episodes now Patreon only in podcast form, although you can go find the video form of that podcast on our YouTube account. I talked about how hungover I was this morning because it was a rough weekend for me, boys. Uh, We went out in the town in Indy my first night out and about, and it was a blast. Uh, But, you know, I'm further south than I've ever been, and uh, the alcohol consumption certainly matched the occasion or the location I should say and there's no better cure than just getting to lay out and sit in my bed all day drink water you know chug as much as possible and watch all of these college tennis streams it was the ultimate hangover cure a man who knows all about hangover cures you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed utr one of the many dames to root for the liberty flames chris halioris chris how are you doing after all that action i know uh you were talking about it with bobby you were like you know what i'm not even going to keep flooding with tweets i'm going to let bobby handle the georgia match and I'll try and do everything else. Yeah, that, um, what a day. I mean, so many good matches. And yeah, I feel like I feel like people pull their Twitter up and they're like, golly, I'm getting hit with the same match from all these different people. So yeah, for sure. I knew Bobby'd be all over that match. What a, And yeah, that one and, and several others. What What a great day. Yeah, it was just absolutely incredible. And one of the fun parts about this weekend in particular was one of those weird scheduling weeks in the ATP and WTA world where they had four finals on Saturday. And on Sunday today, we had the final in Santiago at the ATP 250 level, as well as a bunch of really fun challenger finals. And because this is the Monday mini break, I do want to talk about those at the end. But I got to spend most of my day, if not all of it, watching these college tennis matches unfold. That's why we wanted to do an emergency college version of this podcast move it up in the week on a Monday so this will be that version at the end we'll still go through our top eight power rankings of course those power rankings now going to be seen every week in article form on our website crackrackets.com I can have a little bit more fun in there Uh, just make some jokes at the expense of a bunch of these teams as well it's a fun little exercise for me Uh, so be on the lookout for that but of course the reason we're able to do these podcasts every day due to our friends at Diadem Sports and you know the deal now folks Diadem Sports 
sports. They're making rackets with you in mind. They're uh, helping tennis players elevate their game by designing the most innovative performance tennis gear on the planet. It's developed with your performance in mind. Their rackets carefully crafted for a specific type of playing style, you know, power, explosiveness, precision, control, old man tennis like Chris Hallior's. You can, it covers the works. Their strings, their racket technology, that beautiful Nova 100 or the Elevate 98. You throw some Evolution strings in there. You throw some Solstice Power strings in there. Folks, I promise you're going to get your best tennis, and we talk about college tennis here today. It's notable. Two former college tennis guys, Seku Bengoro, Kirusel, both pros, both already trusting their game uh, to Diadem, and of course, we just got to sit down with AJ Bartlett, co-founder of Diadem Sports on our Cracked Interviews podcast. Hopefully, you listeners got the chance to listen to that. But come on. I mean, with our promo code CR50, 50% off their innovative gear as well. It's a deal that's too good to pass up, folks. So be sure to go check out their website, diademsports.com. That being said, uh, you know, that was always open on one tab. In my other tabs today, it was hard to monitor all the action. So many close matches going on throughout the country. I think the place we have to start, though, and we're only going to be covering the men's stuff today, but the match of the day in terms of an upset, the upset of the weekend in terms of the ranking gap between the two teams, at least in my opinion, although there were a couple of other upsets, but certainly the most notable the Georgia Bulldogs playing host to the Buckeyes of Ohio State. You talk about some of the storylines going into the match. Something we will always circle uh, is the adjustment for these Northern teams, and the Buckeyes do qualify as a Northern Big Ten team that have to play so much of their year indoors, and that's obviously a benefit for those teams through the national indoor tournament, but once those teams are forced to go outside, adjust to those conditions, it's not like Ohio State got to go back to Columbus and put in a week of outdoor practice after the indoors know they're back inside because that's what the weather dictates and they went down to Georgia and uh, down to coach Manny Diaz's Bulldogs coach Diaz looking to pass Dan McGill he had just uh, tied him but looking to pass him for most wins I believe in SEC tennis history uh, and the Bulldogs came out strong Chris they take the doubles point uh, that their team they go with Bride Zink they go with Henning Kreuter uh, Loeb Gravilius uh, same teams we've seen for the Buckeyes. McNally Cash at one, Trotter Boulez at two, Kingsley Selig at three. Let's start with that doubles point, Chris. How surprised were you that Georgia took it in the comfortable fashion that they did 6-1 set at one, 6-3 set at two? Yeah, I mean, I, I won't say I was completely shocked they took the point, but for the way they took it, absolutely. I mean, 6-1 at one. I mean, welcome to the outdoors, Ohio State. Uh, that's, all, <laughs> that, that's all I can say. I mean, I definitely did not see that coming uh and you can't i mean you know for people at home that just don't you know they they, they can't grasp how much of a factor it is not just the difference in the surfaces but just add the difference in surfaces to the fact that they haven't even gotten to play like you said they don't even get to practice outdoors because of where they are so uh you know you you want to get some warm weather at home so that you at least get to practice outdoors before you go play outdoors so that's you know, there's not a darn thing they can do about it, you know, short of like picking the guys up from school for a couple of weeks and going to Florida. Right. You know, there's, <laughs> you, you play where you got to play where you play. And, and yeah. So that first outdoor match, I'm sure was, uh, I'm sure a little surprising to them, but definitely a surprise to me that they took that. Uh, I mean, it, you know, one and two on the two courts, that was just too, too easy. And if you're talking about this Georgia team, which is still a really young team, guys like Zinc, Gravilius, Baptiste Anselmo, Trent Bride, Phil Henning, all still, 
I think, underclassmen at the oldest. I'm not sure if Henning's a junior or not, but you know, this is an incredibly talented team. And uh, you look at them in the ITA rankings: Trent Bride and Tyler Zink, number 36 right now in the country. Henning and Kreuter, number 22. We've talked about this when we've talked about Georgia before. You know, Robert Loeb was the number one doubles player in the country not too long ago. He's made an NCAA doubles final, I believe, and he's playing three doubles. It doesn't matter who you pair him with. Him at three doubles is a ridiculous advantage for these Bulldogs, and it's something to monitor. Yes, it's the first outdoor match of the season. Can't emphasize that enough, that obviously the more comfortable the Buckeyes and any team gets playing outdoors, the better their level of tennis is going to be. Uh, But Matt, going into the singles, I mean, I think the lineups for both of these teams are noticeable. For Coach Tucker, he pulls the trigger finally. Cannon Kingsley at one singles, the talented freshman, just been putting up results too good to deny, so he gets the bump to one, McNally to two. Similarly, Selig, Boulay's make the flip-flop. Selig up to three, Boulay at four. Still sticking with Trotter at five, but then they go with Andrew Luchanig at six. Not something, uh, you know, we talked to Coach Tucker in our Cracked Interviews podcast before the season. He talked about Luchanig, say, hey, don't be surprised if you see him get play. Uh, But, you know, this Georgia team, Matt, you look at the lineup and the depth they have, it really doesn't matter who they play where. All of these guys can compete fairly similarly. They can. I mean, I, they, this was just a, a crazy match. And, and to kind of piggyback off of Chris's point, you know, going outdoors for OSU, I mean, going to Georgia and playing there in Athens is one of the toughest environments that you're going to face, too. I mean, that's that's a hostile environment down there. So, I, I mean, just that on top of it being outdoors, it, it was just kind of the perfect storm for Georgia to get them. Um, but still, I mean, you look at the scores. Trent Bride, 6-0 in the first set over Cannon Kingsley. I mean, who would have saw that coming? Definitely not me. Um, I think John McNally was up 5-0 in the first set on Phil Henning at, at court two, and Henning comes all the way back to steal it in a breaker. I mean, just so many crazy results in this match. I, I just, it, it's hard to even, you know, I, I'm still going to need a little bit more time to process it. Georgia, for them, obviously, it, it's a huge springboard, you know, for the rest of their, their SEC season. But I've got to see more. I mean, they're going to have tough matches each and every match in the SEC. You know, uh, this is a good start. They're going to move way up in the rankings, obviously, and that'll be well-deserved. Let's see if they can keep it going. Their team is very young, like you mentioned, Gruskin. So the challenges will continue to be there, you know, all year. And it's notable this Georgia team was a 4-3 loss away from beating South Carolina, advancing to that national indoors. You do, of course, wonder their youth, uh, how much it played into that early season loss. But Chris, Bride, Henning, Zink, all three. I mean, I, I mean, you look at these, sorry, there were five three-set matches. As Matt mentioned, uh, McNally, I believe, was up five love in that first set on Henning. Henning flips it there. That's essentially, a, you know, its own new set. McNally won the first set 5-0. Now, unfortunately, he needs that sixth game, but still um, speaks to how up and down this match was. What did you think of this Georgia performance? What did you think of the Ohio State roster changes? And, you know, moving forward, what does this win, as Matt alluded to, do for Georgia heading into, you know, ranking-wise SEC season where obviously every match it gets tough? Yeah, I mean, I the the Ohio State roster changes didn't uh the only thing that really surprised me and I wouldn't say it was a big surprise uh was was really just the Litschonig at, at six only because we hadn't seen him yet but like you said coach Tucker told us hey don't don't be surprised if you see him uh and we just hadn't seen him yet so 
So I think I was a little surprised, not surprised at all, really, to see the swaps between, you know, one and two and three and four. I think that may be an ongoing thing for them. Uh, you know, unfortunately for them, Coach Tucker's, you know, I'm sure probably second guessing himself now going, golly, I swap, swap one and two and we lose them both. If I left them the same and we split, you know, who knows? You, everybody looks at this result and goes out ah, 4-0. And that 4-0 match was, you know, a hair from being a 4-3 match. A C-League was up match point when the when it when it ended. Boulay was up 5-love in the third. So there's two points on the board uh, for them. And, you know, and Lachanig 5-4 uh, in the third. So it was very easily a 4-3 match uh, had Henning not broken. And, and for those that d- didn't get to see it, McNally, actually broke to get back on serve at four or five there in the second. And at that point right there, we thought, Oh, this is a four, three match now. And then, you know, he goes 1530 double faults for 1540. And then uh, Henning hits that just a crazy ball down the backhand line. He di- he lays dives for it, gets it back. And then McNally sails an overhead long. Uh, it took to get broken for the match. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very close four Oh, but you know, still, I, I think uh, it's probably going to catch a lot of people. It's going to catch a lot of people by surprise for Georgia. I'm not surprised. They're they're going to be a, a very good team, and this is going to move them up right around number ten right now. Yeah, that is crazy to hear. And you're right, this Georgia team. I mean, look at them by UTR in terms of their power six. They're at eighty, and when you're over that eighty threshold, that is where you start to see those top, you know, fifteen, top ten teams sort of uh, be UTR wise. So that feels notable. We said it all year long. Throw Georgia in that tier with Tennessee, with uh, South Carolina, maybe not quite with Texas A&M. Although after a win like this, certainly you know the Aggies aren't going to feel comfortable heading into that match against the Bulldogs during SEC season, but this Georgia team can play, and now, yeah, you talk about it, Chris, uh, in terms of what they've accomplished. They have certainly uh, put themselves in a position to, at the very least, compete for a top 16 seed if they can run the table in the SEC, which no one's saying is going to happen, let's be clear, but I think there is still a path for them to a top 8 seed, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, this, right, this win right here is going to put them, give or take, a spot or two right around right about number 10 right now so uh you know they're they are right there knocking on the door uh for a top eight seed and, and that's with columbia sitting right in front of them who clearly isn't going to have the opportunities that they have in terms of teams you know chances to beat you know a florida and a texas a&m and an old miss all teams sitting in the top 12 right now right uh so that's it's gonna that's gonna be uh very, you know, very interesting to watch them. It'll be, it's going to be a battle for the the bottom half of these top eight seeds for sure. Yeah, they. I, when I was making my top eight rankings, I had a discussion with myself. Do I throw Georgia in there? And I'm not going to tell you whether I do or not, but it was a serious discussion. I sat down, weighed the pros and cons. We'll save that tease for later. Matt, I'm going to give you the final word. Take it whichever way you want. Is this a concerning loss for the Buckeyes? Does it speak more to the talent on this Georgia roster? Your final takeaway. Yeah, no, overly, like, I'm not that concerned for Ohio State. Again, it was their first outdoor match. Georgia's very, very talented team. They're they're young. Um, so for Ohio State, I think they're going to be fine at the end of the day. This loss isn't going to kill them. And for Georgia, now it just, it sets up really nice for them. You know, they're going to have some opportunities, like we mentioned, to get into that top eight. And obviously, that'd be massive. You know, those matches, when they play Florida, 
when they play Texas A&M, if they can, if they can get the job done, they're going to be sitting exactly where they want to be. So this was huge for Georgia, in my opinion. No, perfectly put for the Buckeyes. Five three-set matches. You're, you're right there. You don't have to worry about that in your first outdoor match. Your level is going to be just fine moving forward. Yeah, the story is this yep. Georgia team can play, folks. And I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. That was the big upset of the day. There were still other upsets littered throughout Sunday's action. Let's move next to some ACC play. And Matt, I know you'll love this, the NC State Wolfpack. 0-3 at the National Indoors. We thought, okay, maybe this was just an early season push from them. Uh, maybe, you know, their best is in the rearview mirror. No, they still want to make their case for a top eight seed. And now they'll move to 10-3 and overall as they knocked off Texas 4-3. And, you know, what's most notable, again, for these Longhorns, they switched up their doubles combinations uh, for the weekend. Siskard and Ito back together on at one. Bullard and Spaziri at two. Huang and Cleve Harper at three. They also made changes to their singles lineup uh, multiple times throughout the week. In this match, they moved Waldeep up to three. Spaziri at four yesterday, or on Friday against Stanford. That was flipped. They're also going right now. Chi-Chi Huang at five. Cleve Harper at six. Uh, but Matt, the story for these NC State Wolfpack, A, that they've been able to steal as many double points as they have. And I don't want to say steal, because when you win it as frequently as they have, maybe you're just good at it. But B, Alexis Galarno at one, he's putting together some sort of season, Matt. Oh, no question about it. I mean, I've, I've been watching him for years now. He's, he's in his senior year. This guy, he's always, to me, just been an underrated kind of guy. He's not the biggest, you know, he's about 5'10", maybe 5'11". Um, doesn't have the flashiest kind of game, but I mean, he can compete with absolutely anybody. I mean, you throw anyone out there, obviously it doesn't get much better than Yuya Ito. So, um, the fact that he was able to come through in that match, I mean, just good for him. I'm happy for him, for him, really good player. Um, and you know, overall just going into this match, I was hoping that the Wolfpack were going to make it a really fun, interesting match. I did not think they were going to win. I just, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be too tough. Even if they get dubs, you know, to find three singles matches, I just, I didn't love their chances. And yeah, I mean, they, they really showed out. So huge win for the ACC. Obviously I'm happy they pulled it off. And, and just one other note, this match was actually played at the Cary tennis park. So it wasn't really on campus at NC state. It was still kind of a home match. Obviously the crowd support, you know, was there, but you know, not a, a match that wasn't played on their own courts somewhat of a neutral site if we want to call it that so interesting there but yeah I mean huge win now for for state and I mean obviously you know can probably tell us right around where they're going to be ranked but for them huge result well, I do want to add for Texas, it, it does feel worth noting, yes, it's sure this was not played at NC State, but they're still traveling to North Carolina after they hosted Stanford earlier in the weekend and, you know, to make oh, that quick turnover, that's never easy, but feels also worth noting, Chris, 
Texas won five first sets in singles. It's not like they weren't in a position to retake control of this match. And had Yuya Ito ended up winning that second set breaker he played against Alexis Galarno, you know, the Longhorns win this match 4-3 uh, for them. They may even win it above 4-3. They may win that match at that point. I think the matches on 5 and 6 were still going. So they win this 4-1 for this Longhorn team. And I mean, Ito Galarno is a toss-up, right? No matter where it is, no matter the conditions, as great as Ito's been, Galarno is that good as Matt's alluded to. Uh, but for the Longhorns to take three set losses at five and six, this is what we were concerned about heading into the season, right? Yeah, I mean it's def- it's the spots that we were all worried about is how how would they how would they show at five and six? And it's, you know, I think there there are a lot of teams that are in that boat and it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be the roller coaster. It'll be a different story every week. Like one week we're feeling really good about wow, Chi Chi looked great, Cleve Harper looked great, uh, you know, Harper looked fantastic at indoors, right? And and we're and and we're really high high on the the team because that's you know that's the kind of the linchpin for what, whether they're going to do well or not. And then the next week we see them getting beat by NC State at five and six. You know, frankly, matches you expect Texas to win. So you know, it's it's going to be an up and down kind of. I, I think that's going to be how that team rolls. Is it, it, you know. They're going to be in really. They still may win if those guys don't win, uh, but they'll be that it'll make them close matches. But if those guys actually do win, they're so good up top that you know then they're they're a really good team. But yeah, they need they need production out of that out of the five and six spots. And I think Texas's win over Florida kind of threw us off the scent because it was such an impressive win to go down to Gainesville, drop the doubles point, get five wins in singles. Uh, but it does feel worth noting how young this team is at the bottom half, right? No one older than a sophomore playing in those three through six singles positions. It's all new doubles teams for the Longhorns. That matters. And again, it's it's now March, but we're still... Conference play hasn't quite started, but this is the sort of loss, if you're Texas, you can still get over, right, because of how loaded that Big 12 season is. But on the flip side for this NC State team, and Matt, I want to go to you after, but we both know Chris is the rankings expert for them now. Yes, they go 0-3 at the indoors, but the win they had over Michigan early in the season, that win they got over Virginia early in the season seems to be appreciating in value. The win they got at Northwestern seems to be appreciating in value as well. Their Princeton win, not bad. Now you can throw in this Texas win as well. What is the best case scenario for NC State? Obviously, they're going to have to do well in the conference, but do they still have a path to a top eight seed? Oh, man. well, they definitely have a path because they play in the ACC and they're going to get to play teams like Wake and North Carolina and you know a ton of really good matches. So the path is certainly there. Um, are they actually going to pull it off? Man, I just I can't I can't go there right now. I mean, for me, it's still too early to say that they're gonna you know solidify themselves as a top eight seed in the tournament. I, there's a path, certainly. I mean, we we know that that's there, but I, I still think ah, week in week out in the ACC, they're gonna have tough matches. I mean, you look at the other teams that we've talked about. You know, the Florida States, the Notre Dames, the Dukes, um, Virginias. I mean, there's there's gonna be a lot of tough matches that they have to get through. And I'm just, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to get through all of those matches, you know, at home or on the road. So the path is there. I just can't say right now that my confidence is, is that high where I'm ready to say a hundred percent, this team to me, top eight seed for sure. Chris, same question. Final word to you. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely the path is there. They're back in the – I mean, with that win today, they're back in the top eight. So it's really are they going to knock themselves out, right, because they've got the path to do it when when they're going to be playing, uh, you know, Wake. They're going to be playing North, uh, North Carolina. They're, I mean – are they going to beat North Carolina? Probably not. But could they beat Wake? Absolutely. Um, and that's, I mean, those those are going to be the matches, the the ones against the top, other top-ranked ACC teams when they come, teams like Florida State, uh, you know, who's got, who's holding a, a good ranking right now, like Wake, who's holding a good ranking. Those are the wins that'll, that'll put them in there. So I think I'm with Maddie. I just somehow, somehow I don't, it just doesn't feel like, they're, yeah. you know, when I when I look at the teams that are all competing for that spot, I don't put them as one of the top eight teams. But all that matters, really, are the wins that the wins and losses you put on the board, and they've put them up so far. If they can continue to do it, yeah, they're there. But they're going to be the, the problem is there are so many other teams that get a chance. I mean, those SEC schools, right? You've got Georgia, Ole Miss, A and M, all sitting there right behind them, and they all play each other and there's more and there are more highly ranked teams in the sec than there are the acc so there's more opportunities there it's going to be tough to hold off you know hold on to that you know seven ish spot which is where they'll they'll be probably when the rankings come out tuesday but i i think it's very feasible yeah, and again, you look at this NC State team. Galarno's eight and one at one singles. I think now he's nine and one. I don't know if he played their second match, so he may be ten and one in dual matches. But he's the only guy who's really separated himself. As yeah, I think we can get a point here. Now they've won a bunch of doubles points as well. But you see records scattered throughout. You know, at the th- three and four positions, they're now four and three and six and four respectively. At the five and six positions, they're now I think seven and four and five and two respectively. It's it's all these different places for NC State, and that's great on a match-by-match basis, but in terms of long-term, you know, us trying to plan out or look at how they're going to do, yeah, it does make things tougher, but very notable for this NC State Wolfpack. They have corrected course and gotten back on a really good path heading into conference play. They've also got a really fun late-season match against South Carolina that could have sneaky implications depending on how South Carolina does in SEC conference play, but really good result uh, for uh, the NC State Wolfpack here, and I believe their women also got a win uh, over. Did they play Virginia? No, they lost. They, I think to Virginia. Am I right? Am I wrong? They did play Virginia, and I think you're right. They, I think it was a four-three match. Virginia won four-three. Yeah, I think Subash clinched. Natasha Subash, one of my yeah, favorite top. players, I got to see in Chicago. But this NC State team, this NC State tennis program, is what I'm trying to say, trending the right direction. We've got a top ten team on the women's side, a borderline top ten team on the men's side as well. It's going to be a really fun time to be a Wolfpack fan during this 2020 season. Those are the two breakdowns from just Sunday alone. But there were a ton of other notable four-three matches. I think we should uh, kind of run through real quickly. Let's start. Uh, I tried to order them the best I can. I think the next notable one I wanted to talk about, Wake Forest, a team you guys know I am all about. They drop the doubles point once again, but find a pathway to four singles. They get wins at four, five, six, and one. Uh, Barbotzer clinching of seven, five in the third at the number one singles position between two top 50 guys. Feels worth noting today the lineup went body at two, Squire at three, and then they went with reserve 
Desert Kungo uh, at the number six singles position. Matt, let's start with you. This Wake Forest team, are you starting to come around? Are you feeling it with me? Borderline dark horse contender? Um, Dark horse contender for what? The title? To, yeah, to win the national title. Dark no. horse contender. If I tell you they're going to no. make the final, would you call me you know crazy? Yes, crazy. <laughs> yes, I'm not there yet. I'm definitely not there yet. Look, obviously I'm an ACC guy, but I still think their doubles it, their doubles is so shaky. I mean, it seems like every match they're having to win four singles, and I just don't know. Yes, in this match against Oklahoma State, they were deeper, you know, four through six, but Oklahoma State to me is just, not a deep team. I mean, they're much better up top. So it, it wasn't shocking that Wake took four through six. Um. You know, but against a lot of teams that they're going to have to play on their schedule the rest of the year, they're going to, you know, four through six is going to be a lot tougher. So, no, I, I don't – at this point, I'm not going to say they're a dark horse contender for the title, um, but they're going to be a very tough out. I mean, it's a team that is is going to be tough, especially in singles. I mean, I just – you got to win the dubs point, obviously, against them, and then, you know, I think try to win, you know, mid mid lineup down low. Botzer at, at one is going to be tough. I mean, the way he came back against Basel – pretty impressive because he was down a set maybe a break in that second set and and he came back and really played well so no look good team I'm not sold that they're a dark horse contender though not yet Chris we just talked about how important those four five six positions that's where the money's made that's where the best teams separate themselves this Wake Forest team in my opinion has the sort of depth six seven eight it's you know USC Florida probably on a tier of their own and then you know Wake Forest and TCU right up there with them as well your thoughts on the Demon Deacons getting the win uh this week at at Oklahoma State yeah I thought well you know they certainly went up to Michigan right yeah. <laughs> let's be clear well let's be clear crickets because it was a bad joke b wake force was already above michigan in my ranking so i feel like if anything this win vindicates me oh okay <laughs> all right if that, if that makes you feel better aggressive no i mean yeah they're 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 solid all the way through right i just it's they they're gonna they're gonna have to get the, what they're getting here out of Botzer, I think, you know, he's going to have to continue to win big matches for them at one. Like Maddie said, they're just, they're not showing the ability to get a doubles point. If you don't get the doubles point, they're going to be, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough way to four to four points every single time. And yes, they're good down low. They've got a, you know, they're playing a couple freshmen at two, three, so you never know. I mean, you know, freshmen are completely oblivious. They can come out and roll, or you know, they could have an off day. And you certainly aren't counting on getting both of those points against the good teams with the freshmen. Uh, so I think you know, Botzer and that and that group down low, four, five, six. You know, you try to get say three out of four of those, and then split with your freshmen, and that's how you get your four points. But but it's tough to say we're going to do that every time, all the way to a national title no way you do that all the way to a national title okay that's fair but if i say right now again one word answer here uh because we got to move on but wake or nc state who do you feel better about heading into acc play matt then chris damn it gruskin (laughs) (laughs) um wake just barely i like that answer chris yeah, I don't like the answer, but wait. Yeah, <laughs> I wanna, oh, I, I wanna say bit. NC State, 
I really I do. do. <laughs> I do too. All, but, all but yeah. I'm, no, I'm ACC com- ACC conference semifinals. It's going to come down to Botzer versus Galarno. Just get ready for it. You can throw lock that in the bank. That that's going to be a match that, that decides that's, something. That's going to be a hell of a match. I would love that. Yeah, actually, I lied. At Wake Forest is going to beat them four one. They're going to drop doubles, then get wins at four five six, and I'm going to say three. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm I'm prognosticating for a future match that's going to happen because they're conference foes. But fun time to be a fan of the ACC. And in fact, let's go to the ACC for our next match. Virginia escapes. They drop the doubles point, but get four singles wins. Uh, ultimately, getting the clinch from Gianni Ross six one four six six four in the third at four singles. I mean, let's start here, I guess. Matt, how soon is Coach Pedroso going to get that email from the NCAA, from the ITA? Hey, you can't play at Matt Lord above Gianni Ross anymore. Well, I mean, that he should have already gotten that email. I mean, <laughs> the, the thing is, Gianni wasn't winning, though. So he could almost, I mean, he could pull it off because Gianni was playing so poorly. You know, now he, he comes up with a good, obviously, the clinching win here in this match over Notre Dame when they lose the dubs point. They absolutely needed him. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that that's going to get flipped around. Obviously, I think sooner rather than later, we're going to see Gianni back up to number three. At least, God, I hope so. Otherwise, Matt Lord, I mean, come on. I, I feel bad for the guy. He shouldn't have to be up there at three. Let him play, <laughs> let him play where he belongs. No, I agree. And I also owe Chris an apology, and this pains me to even say that. But Connor Fu, Ryan Fu, brothers. Notre Dame and Michigan. So, hey, great shot to me. I'm an idiot. Um, as, but, as their last name indicates, Groskin. Yeah, as, and as turns out. <laughs> and we had some fun with that in our little group text uh, as well. But I know I owed you that apology, Chris. Uh, but I guess here, I'll throw this question at you. NC State, Wake, or Virginia, who are you feeling best about having it no i'm just kidding uh hey, no I, yeah i know for this virginia team though good win here right i mean in top 16 seeds be really hard is it impossible for them still oh it's not impossible for sure i mean definitely not impossible uh you know it, it, like you said it's it's going to be hard it's not it's not going to be an easy pathway for them to get to to a top 16 um, you know, they're sitting in the 30s. They're going to have to come up with big wins. Like, they're going to have to either pull off a win over North Carolina or anybody that beats North Carolina. They're gonna, North Carolina is going to be top five all year. So, you know, you pull off a win over them, you're going to get huge points. So you, they're either going to have to beat them or they're going to have to come up with a couple other big wins. And there aren't that once you get into the ACC, the wins that are going to get you the big points, right, NC State, will at this point so so there's one that's almost a must win if they're thinking top 16 they must beat nc state and then they probably have to beat wake as well uh yep. which actually did they already i'm trying to just go did they play that match already the acc gets played, started so early well they've yeah, played but wake once but i think thing. they play them a couple of times right and and only one of them counts at, in the ACC schedule. Yeah, they haven't played think, that match yet. They just played right. the they played the Rec Wake Forest Rec Wake Forest match. Put parentheses <laughs> around that, and Wake Forest beat them five two at home. Gotcha. Okay, but yeah, I think the in that in so in in the ACC match, then yeah, if they can beat Wake and beat NC State, and I would say those aren't totally out of the question, right? It's that's two tough matches, but 
but that's probably their pathway to trying to nail down a, a top 16 and then you know basically don't lose the match you know the, the other problem is so many other matches they could lose that would hurt right now you've got other schools li like the florida states they got the notre dame one today uh but you know there's others li like that in the acc they've just got to win those matches yeah by the way going to duke and beating nicks to Koyak's blue devils is not going to be easy um so no. it's going to be a fun ACC season for the Cavaliers. Um, all right, move on. Rapid fire edition again. We got to go a little bit quicker through these, otherwise it's going to end up being a two-hour pod, and I don't want to do that to Maddie on a Sunday night. So UCLA keeps their undefeated streak against Oregon alive. They survive after dropping the doubles point. They take three uh, of the singles. They get the win from Keegan Smith in straight sets, Zaraj in straight sets, and get two third set busters. First, it's Matt Salokian at six singles, and then it's my guy. Ben Ben Goldberg racing all the way back, 7-5-5-2 down to take the match, 5-7-7-6-7-6. What a win for the Bruins. They If they lose that match, Chris, they're probably done top 16 seed-wise. Oh, absolutely. An eight-match eight points Goldberg fought off. Let's go! My boy, <laughs> Benny. With all due respect, I, I, you know, Oregon Ducks, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to your program. Ben Goldberg just happens to be someone who I've gotten to know through doing these podcasts and could not be happier for a guy who Chris ever I mean yes UCLA played all morning matches but who was the first guy on court always for the Bruins it was Ben Goldberg so that's awesome to see uh, much deserved success and uh, you know as we like to say hey great shot to him and for the Bruins big win there uh, so they survived 4-3 maybe more notable for NCAA tournament purposes Kentucky goes uh, they host LSU this weekend and they survive 4-3 they take a double Doubles point with an 11-9 win at the two doubles position. They get wins from Draxel at one, Hurian at two, uh, sorry Yamada at six, and then Millard Hurian clinching the match six three three six six two at the two singles position. Chris, this is an SEC match, so you tell me, did this go about as you expected? Yeah, I mean, I think these are two schools that I, you know, you throw out these early rankings because it's all about who you played. They're basically, uh, you know, two of those schools that are in that pack that were behind those leaders that you're looking to see who steps out. We've just kind of got them all thrown in the mix together. And given that Kentucky's at home, I expect Kentucky to win a little, a, a little bit, uh, you know, I, I don't know about surprised, but just, a, you know, an interesting twist to the match was that we uh, had a, you know, some nice weather here in Kentucky today. That court's only probably, you know, a little over an hour from, from my house. And they played that outdoors, uh, you know, uncharacteristic early season outdoor match at Kentucky, which usually I would say maybe not so good for Kentucky. They'd probably rather catch those schools indoors, but, uh, but yeah, they, they pull that off. And, and I think uh, I, I kind of expected it to be a tight one, but you give the edge to, to the home school in, in that one. So I think about like, like I thought it would go. Manny, anything to add? Yeah, no, I think you hit on it. I mean, to me, Kentucky's a better team top to bottom than LSU. I mean, I, I expected them to win this match. One match right now, Liam Drexel, Andre Styler, who you got? Ooh. Man, you're throwing out some tough ones tonight. Good. I'm coming in hot. The hangover has cured. I feel good. I have food in my belly. I'm ready to podcast, folks. I mean, Drexel... I don't know. Drexel's really good, man. Drexel's this so show is good, Andre. But Styler's yeah. been so good. I mean, I really like what Styler's been doing. I mean, I'd, I'd probably lean towards him right 
now, but I mean, if anything, just barely. Chris? Well, I, I can't even, I can't legitimately give an answer because I haven't seen Draxel play in person. I've seen Styler now, uh, you know, play multiple matches and, you know, I know what he can do. And so, yeah, it would take a lot for me to say, to say Draxel, but maybe once I saw him, I would, I don't know. But just having seen Styler, uh, I think it, it would be hard for me to imag imagine an, another freshman that has has what he's got, especially in, in the physical area. A lot of these freshmen come in and they've got talent, but they it, it's going to take them a year to get that physical game down. That, that's not the case with Styler. So I think it'd be tough, but I still need to see Draxel in person. No, I'm just saying Draxel, Styler, Hijikata, Stefan Donstanich. I mean, so I'm forgetting Body and Henry Squire. You can go through uh, all Bullard and Spazier, or not Bullard, excuse me, Spazier and Waldeep. Yeah, Cannon Kingsley, of course. There are so many talented freshmen right now littered throughout the country. It's what's made it such a topsy-turvy season, I think. It's why so many of these matches are so close because you know the level of tennis is really high, and it's a lot of young players getting their first look still at this no-ad scoring format. It, I really think we're lining up for a really fun NCAA tournament, folks, I would say. We'll get to that narrative, actually, in a little bit. Uh, but one of the biggest narratives for me thus far is as good of, as a couple of teams have been, USC, UNC in particular— there's no one right now who I would scream, yep, that's the national champion, and it's always fun when we enter a season, enter March, and that's still the case. Uh, still the case, me trying to work through these matches. Another upset on the day, Alabama knocks off South Carolina 4-3. Alabama gets the doubles point, then they get wins at the bottom of their lineup 4-6, and then ultimately Alexei Nesterov 4-6, uh, 7-6, over Phil Jordan at 5. Again, Chris, SEC, is this the first SEC upset of the year yeah it it is and i can't say that i didn't see it coming because south carolina frankly just other than the ita kickoff weekend has been a little bit disappointing and i don't know what it is they've got the uh uh you know they've got the the lineup for sure much like we talked about with texas the questions here are all five and six the top four guys we we know the top three are returners and then they've got Connor Thompson at four. And that was kind of the swing match today when they lost that match, we thought, Oh, they could be in, in trouble because they'd pick up one, two and three. Uh, but, but four five and six, they, you know, they got to find a way to get one of those. And, and they, with, when Thompson lost that, that made it rough and they didn't get, you know, they didn't get anything down at, at five or six. And, and that was the end. But yeah, I think South Carolina for sure, we had them in that tier of Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee at the three, four, five spots. And, and they're kind of working their way down They're They're kind of working their way down into that next pack, uh, you know, into the big group instead of, you know, playing in that tier above right now. And, and Bama, you know, give them credit. They jumped in and while they had every reason to roll over and die, they were, they were fighting to, to get back. Uh, they at a two, a home match. Geschwentner at six is five, four, 40, love and gets broken and without putting a point on the board and then goes down 1540 his next service game at six seven or at five six manages to hold, hold send it to a breaker wins the breaker to give them the three two lead and then the other two matches uh go the distance uh, i'm sorry they don't go south carolina gets one and the one match goes the distance on five and nesteroff wins it but yeah definitely a big surprise uh you know rank you know from from where we thought these teams would be 
but yeah, I think it speaks right now to the fact that South Carolina, they're, they're struggling a little and you know, they're going to have to find their way to, to turn it around. Great. I mean, great big win for Bama for sure. Jumps them up into the top 20. Let me say this, Gruskin. Please. Uh, um, God, and you guys know how I feel about doubles lineups, but look, they split the singles three, three. So it comes down to doubles, right? We can look at it that way. Lambling and Rodriguez were a top doubles team. And then you've got Jubb and Connor Thompson playing too. So for some reason, if you look at the doubles lineup for today, this got switched around. We have Jubb and Lambling at one, Connor Thompson and Bo Pelletier at two with Daniel Rodriguez and Jake Beasley at three. I don't like that. I don't understand why, why that happened when, I mean, yeah, maybe they weren't, you know, having a ton of success, but you know, I mean, for me, I would not have switched that around. And you know what? If they didn't, maybe they win that doubles point and they end up winning the match 4-3. I, I don't like that. Yeah, I think the most notable thing, A, this was a home match for the Gamecocks. And you just, it, given the parity right now in the SEC, you can't lose those matches at home. Uh, two, uh, a point we've talked about before, when Chris eventually does this tennis stuff full-time himself and can spend all of his time coding away on his laptop, which he's the best in the business at doing, folks, collegetennisranks.com. If you're not looking at the week ahead, week behind, and all of the different ranking things he's doing, you're not following this sport correctly. That's my way of buttering you up to say, Chris, this is another data point for you. What's better, winning the doubles point in two first sets or winning four first sets in singles? Here, Alabama wins the doubles point. They get two first sets, and they're able to flip one of the matches at the bottom of the lineup. And again, given all these teams, four, five, six, they're all toss-ups. Uh, really, it's matchup dependent, condition dependent. Uh, what this shows is, again, that that continues to be interesting. Matt, have we ever asked you where you stand on that part of the uh, argument? Last tangent, because I know we have a ton of results. This isn't the last tangent. That's a lie, folks. But one of the final tangents I'll at least try, Matt. Would you rather have the doubles point, two first sets and singles, or four first sets and singles? Look, for me, doubles is always huge. It's always been huge. And, and that's why, you know, teams like Michigan and NC State that I didn't know coming into the season how good they were really going to be, when they can prove that they can win doubles points, match in, match out, that's when they really elevate on my rankings because I'm like, okay, these guys are really good at dubs. They're going to find a way to get three singles. So for me, I'm rolling with doubles, man. You have got to find a way to win doubles points. I think it makes a huge difference. Great answer. Great reference points. All in on that. We can move on. Next one, and those were all the four three matches. Uh, a couple other notable ones. Again, Florida State survives. Uh, they dropped the doubles point from against Georgia Tech and were really close to losing that ACC match, but they managed to flip the script at a couple of spots. Uh, they get wins uh, at the two, three, six, and then ultimately five singles position. A couple of those matches deep in the third. They were playing a tiebreaker at four singles, four all in the third at one. Uh, Matt it's your conference so your thoughts on this match which match was it florida state georgia tech oh yeah i mean doubles was a little weird i mean georgia tech wins doubles and then you know six first sets go to florida state i believe i mean that that just a weird match overall georgia tech did battle back to to win some second sets but i mean overall I, i thought florida state you know them being at home it was definitely their match to lose they're the better team in my opinion. But, you know, after that doubles point, I was like, okay, this could be really, really tight. And then after the first sets, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be a blowout for Florida State after losing dubs. So really kind of a weird one there. Um, But overall, I I think that the better team did win. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Chris, anything to add? No, the only thing I'll say is that that was it was for the ACC in general. That was probably a a, a good result that that the conference needed because Florida State coming off the loss to Oklahoma was already set for a drop in the rankings and just to keep a bunch of fairly highly ranked teams amongst themselves, you know, from from a rankings perspective, they they need that and that'll hold them in right around 25 and you know what they didn't want was to have a whole bunch of teams down in the, you know, mid 30s. So they kind of the ACC needs Florida State to stay up there so that you know it's good for the rest of the schools. Yeah, definitely big win for them. Other couple other ones real quickly, and again we already talked about NC State uh, knocking off Texas, but uh, another big uh, top ranked match was TCU Stanford. Stanford zero and two on the weekend. They lose to Texas, travel to Fort Worth today, and they drop a four one match to the Horned Frogs. TCU takes the doubles points, getting wins at the two and three sing, uh, uh, two and three doubles positions. Feels worth noting for them, Sander Jong all the way up to the number four spot now in their lineup. He gets another win for them today. They also get wins from Alistair Gray over Axel Geller, four and two at one. And then they also get a win from, I believe it was today's Paralek who clinched seven, five, six, three at the three singles position. Chris, you got to be feeling better and better about your Horned Frogs. Oh yeah, I mean, they're going to move up now into the top eight in the in the ITA rankings, which is uh, you know kind of, kind of making me feel better about the my early season ravings about the, about those guys. Uh, so so yeah, they, I think they're they're in good shape. They look like they. I mean, that was a it was a big test for them this weekend. I'll say you know yeah they they look like two real they look like two great wins on paper. I, I you know but I think Ole Miss is. Uh, slightly overranked Stanford struggling a little right now. So maybe not as big as the rankings would indicate, but still, I mean, two good wins. And, and I think that's going to be just confidence building for them. Yeah, I think this TCU team continues to look better and better. Our last notable result on the day, Princeton, pretty good ranked win for them, 4-1 over Middle Tennessee. And- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of Ivy Leagues, we can now get to our other biggest upset on the weekend. Northwestern, they knock off Columbia 4-3. That match, I believe, was played at Northwestern. Was it at Columbia? Either way. It was at Northwestern. Yeah, Yeah, at Northwestern. And still, impressive win for the Wildcats, who come out, take the doubles point, get wins at 1-2 there. And then they get two straight set wins at the four and five singles position. And then Michigan transfer now at Northwestern. I had to throw that in there. Sorry, folks. Steve Foreman, one six six one six two over Jackie Tang at the two singles position. Chris, does this tell you more about Northwestern or more about Columbia? Uh, Northwestern, for sure. I mean, I we, we know Columbia is good. So this, I, to me, you know, call it a little blip, if you will. You know, you're always going to be there's always that match that you never saw coming that kind of jumps up and bites you for every school every year. This is probably that match for Columbia. It tells us, hey, Northwesterns, that they can they can compete. We, you know, that it might be a school that can make a little bit of noise. You know, they're they're still 
got going to have to be placed behind, you know, Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten. But now with kind of the, the slide for Illinois, uh, and then you've got Indiana playing well, you and and Northwestern. Where do they fit in? Yet yeah, they could be they could be challenging right for that, you know, that next spot and and themselves trying to get up into somewhere around the top twenty in their in their rankings. Yeah, and look, this Northwestern team, 8-4, but you talk about their rankings, a 4-1 loss uh, to NC State in that match. Uh, fairly close uh, in terms of scoreboard-wise. Wasn't blowout. NC State got wins there at 1-5-6. and six. Hey, that's a recipe they're used to. They also lost 4-0 to Duke, but that was a pretty— I mean, Matt, you can maybe speak more to that match as I think you were there for that one. Uh, but, you know, for them, as you mentioned, Chris, uh, that 4-3 loss to Harvard, 4-0 loss at Oklahoma State, but they're right there in terms of top half of the Big Ten. Certainly, they're looking at an inside draw at a top 30 ranking throughout the year. Uh, again, to you, uh, Matt, in terms of for, from the Columbia side, they fought back in this one, but ultimately just built themselves too big of a deficit. Uh, for you, is this match more about Columbia or more about what Northwestern was able to do? I mean, it, it's a little bit of both, but probably more Northwestern. I'll tell you what, though. Columbia lost this dual match on court four. Okay, that, that's a big mismatch on paper. Court four is by far, and, and I'm, I'm being honest here, no disrespect to Chris Efron, but by far their weakest uh, point in the lineup, and it's not even close. Adam Ambrosi's got to win that match. I mean, to go down, what, one and three? That, that's where they lost it. I mean, I never would have expected that result, you know, looking at it. Everything else seems about right. I mean, you know, Jacqueline winning at one, you know, Steve Foreman at two. I can see all of that, you know, five and six. Trice Pickens getting the win at five. Austin Wang getting the win at six. None of that's surprising. Also, Northwestern winning doubles. They're very good indoors, and they do play pretty good dubs. I've obviously seen this team play in person. But court four, man, I mean, if Columbia looks back on this, that was the court that they needed. And yeah, I mean, just wasn't even close. So I think it's a blown opportunity for the Lions. But yeah, Northwestern, I mean, if they're playing indoors, they're going to be tough. I think if they've got to go outdoors, it it could get a little rough because they have a a lot of guys that are really indoor players. I mean, Dominic Starry, Nick Brooks, Simon Bratholm, those guys are indoor players. So we'll see. Yeah, well, you talk about it in terms of the Big Ten. Chris brought it up. They uh, could easily finish third, especially if this Illinois team just continues to uh, lack any sort of rhythm. And again, they played host uh, to Baylor. I believe they were hosting that match. Uh, And uh, Baylor escapes 4-3 victory for them. They drop the doubles point but get wins uh, at the 2, 4, 5, and 6 singles position. What feels particularly notable in this match, guys, no Soto, no Brooksby, no RY. A.N. Dickey, and it didn't matter. They still managed to find wins. They get three a three-set win at four singles. Sven La able to do enough to just survive at one singles to prevent, you know, Illinois from getting that pressure third point on the board for Illinois. You know, whether it's Alex Brown, who took a four-and-four loss to an Adrian Boyton, who's still looking to find his rhythm in this 2020 season, whether it's Zeke Clark, who is now down to playing four singles. He took a three-set loss to Constantine Franzen, and you have to wonder indoors, is that a matchup thing? But, I mean, 
I guess we'll start with you, Chris. Uh, which what what for, same question? What you know? What did, what does this match tell you? Does it tell you that this Baylor team has the sort of crazy depth that hey, you know, the fact that they're playing without three guys who would almost certainly you know Brooksby and Soto for sure, but RYA and Dickey probably as well would be in their lineup and they can still get a win like this on the road. That maybe you know we're still sleeping on the Bears. What did you learn from this match? Uh, I mean. I learned that Illinois is nothing. They're a train wreck. <laughs> That's all I learned. I mean, I you know I sit there and look at this Illinois team, and you and you look at the guys that they, they have, and you know when you when you look at 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 Kova and Brown and Monsi and Clark that were all there last year in what was a and good Vuk team last year. by well, and yeah, I mean those guys. Yeah, they just didn't play that much you know whoever they're going to play at five six whether whether it's Vuk or whether uh it's Fletcher Scott or I mean you know they've got guys that were there last year that just didn't play but uh but I mean to have to have those guys and not be able to and it's not like they're losing the match because they're just losing down low they're losing every even Kova's losing and Alex Brown's losing and I mean I don't know what's going on but I still look at them and go, my God! If I was, to, if I drew out the NCAA tournament draw today, which I thankfully for them we don't do because they wouldn't be in. Um, <laughs> but but they're they're both below 500 and below the cut line for the tournament. Uh, so so they got work to do. But they'll they'll get themselves above the cut line, okay. And as long as they get 500, they'll get in. But if they get in as you know, and they're like one of the last at-large teams in, and they end up as say like you know a three seed somewhere. The last thing you want to see, if you're like the number 15 or 16 team as a host, is Illinois coming to your place as, you know, as a real dog uh, like that. Because once they get things turned around, assuming they do, they're going to be dangerous. I just don't know how they're losing. So I have no idea what's going on. That's, That's my only takeaway is they obviously still haven't figured it out yet, but I expect them to at some point. I say this lovingly, Chris. You're always good for one take that really blows me away. That's the one from this podcast. I'm calling it now as well. Just like I'm saying that Galarno botser match is going to decide Wake Forest, NC State. <laughs> Illinois is the team that's pulling the upset, and they're getting to the Sweet 16. They're going to end up, God willing, not in my Wolverines bracket, but they're going to just end up floating somewhere, uh, and they're just going to knock off that 11, 12, 13 seed that they match up against. Because you're right, this is they still do have that sort of talent up top. That's just well, but, yeah, they nothing. can't end up. They can't end up in your Wolverines bracket because they avoid. Conference uh, pairings there. All so, right, I'll take it. So, so you get they have to travel to a school if possible within 400 miles. So, so and there aren't that many options. But yeah, that's you know that's what they try to do. But no con, you know they avoid this the the same conference deal. So yeah, and so I I think that's a good take. I enjoyed that one, Chris. I'm definitely going to steal that moving forward. All right, looking through the rest of these results, and again, this Baylor that was a real big one. We can go through these rest uh, pretty quickly. Uh, you look elsewhere, uh, Oklahoma. 4-3 win for them over Florida State earlier in the weekend. Uh, you know, the Sooners have come on strong as of late, Chris, uh, but your thoughts on this win for them? Yeah, I mean, they're a team that, yeah, I haven't quite figured out. They they have potential, but, you know, they lost a, you know, took a bad loss in the kickoff weekend uh, consolation, right, to Mississippi State 4-0, but then they turn around and they win, uh, you know, a couple other matches, so, um you know, very, very up and down team. Not, not quite sure what to make of them yet. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, in terms of otherwise, we talked about these results already. Just to throw them in, TCU four zero over Ole Miss, Stanford, or, or excuse me, Texas four zero over Stanford. Matt, I don't think you got to comment on those two. So your thoughts on those TCU Texas wins? Yeah, no, TCU. Obviously, you guys know I wasn't really a believer early in the season. They had to prove it to me. I, I'm starting to like this team more and more. They had a couple of really good wins, I think, over Ole Miss and uh, Stanford this weekend. So. Great weekend for the Horn Frogs. Texas over Stanford. Yeah, I mean, it just it kind of goes to show us that Stanford, I mean, they're they're talented, but they are struggling a little bit. I mean, they gotta they gotta find their game, um, you know, and they, they, they'll do it. I mean, they play in the Pac-12. They're gonna rack up some wins here, so I'm not I'm not too worried about Stanford, but they're 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 clearly struggling right now just a bit. Yeah, and to be clear, you know, Rothstart, Streethard, Rajesh, uh, the heart of their lineup. That that's a young core so yeah. the Stanford team you know I think next year when they bring back all of these guys that could be the year their team really pops uh, but yeah you're right it is worth noting and that was a good win for Texas as well in terms of the notable SEC matches because there were a couple Vanderbilt uh, or excuse me LSU splits their weekend they get a 4-3 decision over Vanderbilt Florida uh, starts their SEC regular season strong once again 7-0 win for them over Alabama Chris your takeaways from that ex- SEC action yeah I mean I think all it's again that 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 pack below those top tier it's a matter of seeing who's I, I throw them all in a hat and say I, it's not going to surprise me who beats who. So let's just see which guy, which teams come out on top. And, you know, we're going to get, I think it was fun watching them this weekend. And I'm waiting to see the more next weekend when we got like Alabama off their big win today plays Kentucky next week. So, you know, another, another one, I'm just looking forward to those kinds of matches to see who jumps in, who's going to stand out as that six. And can anybody, can anybody jump ahead of what we considered South Carolina to be now in that top five and take that five spot away. Yeah, it's a very interesting question, certainly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for Florida, you know, today was, again— this time it's Goodger and Bicknell at the bottom. Sometimes it's Valley and, and uh, sometimes it's Inglitz, or sometimes it's Valley, excuse me, sometimes it's Greif, sometimes it's Inglitson. You never know what you're going to get. You do know, though, right now, Crawford, Wariffis, Grant, Inglitson, Valley, Goodger seems to be the doubles pairings, and there is some solace in that fact if you're Coach Shelton. Trying to think, we finally got through the rundown. Hour up, hour down. This is the sort of weekend it was in the men's college tennis world. Uh, Indiana, 5-2 win over Dartmouth. Think that's a good Big Ten win. My Michigan Wolverines got a couple of nice wins this weekend as well over Penn State and Brown, I believe. Uh, UNC, USC, both in action as well. I think they got wins. Uh, But, I I mean, Texas A&M win over Kentucky earlier in the weekend as well. Chris, am I missing anything? Yeah, I'll throw a couple in there. So the probably one of the, the of the of the schools we don't talk about too much. So I look at look at the projected rankings, right, to see who's making big moves. And it looks and I see uh, Fresno State jumping from like seventy four all the way into the top fifty. They put up a couple nice wins this weekend over Wichita State and Gonzaga, both uh, uh, both schools with some decent rankings. So that's going to be a good jump for for Fresno State and probably depending on what else gets entered before the cutoff probably gets them into the top 50 this week um and then I had kind of tweeted out and you joked where was this on the last pod right are we about to get Chris's Chris's trivia well I I was gonna just let that one come out let that be it and then talk about about, uh talk about what they did this weekend so okay let's do it 
I absolutely do. Westoff, give me a Chris's trivia sound effect, please. All right, Chris, your segment, rock and roll. Don't swear. All right, we did this on Twitter. So so for those that follow on Twitter, you've probably already seen, but there are four schools in the top 100 ITA rankings right now coming into the weekend that were still undefeated. Who are they? And I'll tell you that only three of them are undefeated now. (laughs) So Fresno State's won? No, they weren't. Oh, no, Fresno State. UNLV, right? UNLV is one, and they lost. So UNLV that, is one, and so they are no longer undefeated. So they are no longer. So now there are three left, and all three still remain undefeated. Maddie, I'm going to need some help here. Is it Liberty? No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, nope. It's none of the top schools. They all lost. Um, none of the yeah, top schools. I mean, like none of the Lipscomb big five schools. Whoa, Lipscomb. there you go, Maddie. Lipscomb and Lipscomb this week <laughs> manages to pick up two, four, three wins to push their record to nine and zero. Oh. Okay. So, so, so that's Lip- two. Yeah, Lipscomb's two. Lipscomb's one, and they're like in the in the mid sixties, I believe, ranking wise. I'm not looking at it at the moment, but yeah. So they're somewhere in the mid sixties. So now you got two more. One of them is actually in the top 50 and the other is not um i'm gonna say like who's in the top 50 and it's think, not a power five school think brad gilbert pepperdine, pepperdine undefeated good call there you go pepperdine coach shackerly is undefeated and they oh, have i a should have big, known that one that was they actually have a big match tomorrow with oklahoma i believe yeah that'll be a fun one yeah so pepperdine three and yeah the last Last one, you just have to know. You just, you're not going to get it. <laughs> I don't know that uh, one. Yeah, I'm going to go with, well, I see that my boys at Metropolitan State College of Denver lost 4-3 to Montana State University Bozeman, so it's not them. <laughs> no, um, no. Charleston? Oh, you're you're kind of in the right area of the country, but we got to move down to the state of Florida, and it's Matt Lucas's North Florida team. Oh, I like it. I like it. I like they it. That's both, good. That's actually interesting because the reason why I think that's interesting is because Duke actually has them on the schedule for next week. Not this, this week coming up, but the week after that, they're going down there on spring break and they're going to play North Florida. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'll, uh, that, you know, Duke might have some enough wins that that, it, that they won't won't count for them uh but uh, but yeah north florida just had and they also haven't played very many matches they only played four five now had four going into last week so oh, so not a huge they they were like uh i think somewhere around 85 86 some something like that 89 actually i think going into this week but uh yeah they were they were top 100 and uh, and hadn't lost a match yet but uh, yeah obviously if they got the dookies coming up uh, that yep. might make, take one more off the list. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that, though. I like that we, we're we throwing this in now, Chris's Trivia of the Week. Absolutely, because that was a good question, and that I'll let you get away with it for week one since this is an emergency fashion, but I expect one of those types of questions each and every All week. All right, I'll prep one for next week. I appreciate that. And again, I already gave a shout out my 4-3 decision of the week, my, Monta- my Montana State University of Bozeman at Bozeman taking out Metropolitan State College of Denver 4-3. Uh, so that's my match of the week. We talk about Chris's segment being coming a staple, one of the staples of these mini break podcasts, our top eight rankings, which is where we have to end things. Westoff, give me that top eight ranking sound effect, please. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, Chris, or Mandy, I apologize. We never start with Chris. We always start with you, Mandy, and there's a reason why, and it's because I was, I was going to say I like you better, but the truth is I do like you both. I'm quite fond of both of you at this point. Um, but, Mandy, I'm more scared of you, I should say. Yeah, I've lived with Chris. I've, I've tamed that beast. Uh, but, Mandy, there's still an element of the unknown with you, so give me your top eight rankings. God, and, and this was tough, right, because I'm still brutal. trying to process everything that's just happened. It's brutal. Um, but, and so look, I'll, I'll give you my top eight, but again, this could honestly change tomorrow. All right. So I'm just, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but obviously one and two USC, North Carolina, those stay the same. I've got Florida moving up to number three, switching places with Ohio state. So I still have Ohio state at four, you know, Georgia. Now they're going to be what 10 in the country. That that's to me, they shouldn't have to move back any further than that. So USC, North Carolina, Florida, Ohio State. I've got Michigan at number five. They stay where they are. Um, NC State moves up to six for me. Wow. Their win over Texas. Yep, I think they earned it. Um, I have the Wolfpack at number six, Texas at seven, and then I've got TCU at eight. And I almost want to put TCU higher. Because they've been playing really well. I'm starting to like this Horn Frog team. But as of right now, I'm, I've got them at eight. Those are my That's top it. eight teams. No, I like that. Chris, yours? Wow. We're st- I love this. We're starting to get really, really different. <laughs> yeah, is this is great. This is great. Yeah, so uh, I'll go the top four, pro- probably the same. I got USC, Carolina, Florida, Ohio State. Okay, uh, so. let's stop there real quick. All three of us right now agree on that. And I'm I'm All just right. to, re- to emphasize Matt's point. Ohio State lost this match outdoors to Georgia, but that should not damper anyone's expectations for them moving forward throughout the rest of the season. I think right. all of us ranking them in this position shows that. Sorry for cutting you off, Chris. Yeah, no no worry. So, but now it gets interesting. So, I still have but but I don't feel real great about it. I have Texas 5. Um, interesting. But yeah. like I said, I I don't feel great about it. But the 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 problem is I'm I'm definitely not on in the same boat with with Maddie on trying to run NC State all the way up there. I actually have them da- outside the top ten. So uh, I've got I've got TCU at six, Michigan at seven, and then God forbid Gruskin matches me here, Georgia at eight. Wow! <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, no, I, the good news is I am not matching you. I have okay. a different combination at the bottom as all of you, but it's interesting. And Texas was the big one, right? Because they beat Florida, and that win over Florida. Like if if they hadn't beaten Florida, it's like your top three: USC, UNC, Florida would be a no-brainer. It's like duh, that's your top three. Lock that in, and everything else gets a little bit easier. But it hurt me. But I did not include Texas in my top eight teams. Ooh. I did not include Georgia in my top eight teams. And it, it this really kills me because their win over Michigan, me putting Michigan above this team, uh, just I'm at, at, you know I'm saying, hey, karma gods, just you know knock Styler out with an injury or something by doing this. Um, but I don't have NC State either. My number eight team, and I agree with you guys at the top four, you know I'm still higher on Wake Forest. Their 4-3 win this weekend keeps them at number five for me. Michigan six, TCU seven. 
But I'm going to go Texas A&M at number eight. Think about yeah, it. Their losses at the indoors. Michigan, yeah, that was a 4-3 loss. They were right there. That TCU match, they lost it 4-0. But, you know, the, that just happened to be TCU playing its best tennis on a given day. And, you know, we talked to Roditi. He came up in the booth and said, Alex, I don't believe what's going on right now. You know, Chris, I, I bet you guys don't either. And we were like, you're right, coach. Like, I can't believe this. Uh, and that speaks to how well they played on that given day. And, you know, context crucial to all these things. But Texas A&M still a really good team. And I think that Georgia, you know, in terms of seeding out because we do these top eight rankings to, to ter- show you guys, you know, wh- who we think are going to be the top eight seeds right now. The teams I had on the bubble, NC State, Texas, Georgia. I think Columbia, despite the loss, still has a chance if they run the table from here, though things got a lot harder. I think a second Pac-12 team, whether it's Stanford or California, still sort of has a shot at a top eight seed, but boy, did things get a lot harder. And then you have to throw Baylor in there, right? Because they're still getting wins. You get Brooksby, Soto back. They could run the table in the Big 12, and now it's a brand new ballgame. But that's sort of my consideration. You got Texas at five. NC State beats Texas, your number five team, and you're not going to give them any love? No love for beating a top five team? That's what I was going to – I appreciate you saying that because that was my whole thing is I can't put Texas in there if I'm not going to put NC State in there and I'm not going to put NC State. Which is why I'm okay with your ranking, Gruskin, because that makes a little bit more sense. Chris has Texas at five. Yeah. (laughs) Like I said, I don't don't feel good about it. No. Well, then move them. I'm not buying. I'm not buying NC State as a top eight. And if it wasn't for the fact, like Gruskin said, it's that that damn Texas win over Florida that just has me confused as hell about I Texas. No, uh, you know, if without that win, yeah, they're like they're down sitting at twelve thirteen. Right. Uh, and by the way, Waldeeb's an elbow injury away for you know that thing's fine. They could have very easily beaten Michigan, found themselves in the national indoor semifinals. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I, yeah, I don't, it's a very uneasy five for me, for sure, I'll say that, and I could very easily be eating it, uh, you know, I don't even know who they've got this coming week, but yeah, they, they could be out in a hurry, I don't know, um, but, and like I said, NC State could, could prove it, could prove it to me, but I still have a problem putting them, and I, same group as you, Gruskin, out, right outside of eight, I have Texas A&M, Columbia, Wake, and NC State as, as that next group. Uh, and then I think it gets dicey after that. Stanford's really struggling right now. I have them and Cal down there, but I don't see either one of them making a push to be in there at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think, again, that's just a good uh, place to leave of where we're at right now in the top eight. Still so much for us to learn as conference play gets underway, as these final non-conference matches get wrapped up I did say this at the top so usually this would be where we end we get a little bonus segment here from our college tennis trinity uh, holy trinity because I want to talk a little bit of pro tennis real quickly talk about the Sunday finals we got to see a bunch of them involving college guys at the ATP challenger level in fact two former college guys taking the titles in North America. J.J. Wolf, another victory for him in Columbus. He's a straight set winner over Dennis Istman. You look at what this result does for J.J. Wolf right now in the live rankings. Wolf, I believe, going to be at a career high right now of, in fact, he is inside the top 150 for the first time in his career, the 21-year-old sitting at number 144. Uh, for, I mentioned this on our weekend stats. I tweeted this out, but there have been six challengers played in Cleveland or Columbus since the start of the 2019 season 
all of them have featured one of Torpegard or J.J. Wolf in the final. And by the way, for Torpegard with his semifinal result this week, uh, he's inside the top 170. He's sitting at number 170. As I mentioned in Calgary, it was Arthur Rinderneck, the former A&M Aggie. Uh, he gets the win, his second challenger title of the year win gets him up to a new career high of number 160. He jumped 46 spots this week in the rankings, and he knocked off Max Cressy in their second straight challenger final. They've competed in Cressy, a winner last week. This week, he loses in the final, but still, he's up 27 spots to a new career high of number 164. Uh, Matt, then Chris, your thoughts on these college guys finding this much success early on. Is it surprising to you to see not just Wolf, who I think was an obvious one, but guys like Rin Neck and Cressy as well, jumping inside the top 175 uh, at this stage of their career? Maybe a little bit, a little bit surprising for those guys, but but not totally. I mean, when you look at them, they're big, they have weapons. I mean, it's really not that surprising that they're doing that well. And I'm just, I'm happy to see it because of a, a lot of guys, you know, that play college, they, you know, when they make that transition, it's not smooth, right? They, they have a lot of obstacles that they got to get through. But these guys, I mean, Wolf, Torpegard, Cressy, Rinderneck, I mean, they are really, really doing well almost every week. And, and they're putting up very solid results. Their rankings are rising. That's, I mean, that's really what you look for, making that transition from college to the pros. Because, you know, you, you've got to be able to rise somewhat rapidly. I mean, if you're going to make it on the ATP Tour, it, it can't take you two, three, four years you know, to, to make that jump. So these guys are doing it quickly. I'm very happy to see it. And yeah, no, they, they burned it. Yeah, I mean, Chris, we talked about it all weekend long when we were watching these guys at the number one singles position. You watch a guy, even though he was, you know, deathly ill, but a guy like Brandon Holt or a guy like Will Blumberg or a guy like Paul Jubb, and you're just like, those are pro players, right? And it was very clear to see what they do on a tennis court just looks, you know, Kukerman, you could throw in there as well, Styler, what they do just is a little bit different than everyone else there. Uh, you got the chance to see more Arthur Rinderneck, I think, than either of us. I think for Cressy, uh, that he serves in volley six six skinny but can move the slices that get to the net at all cross it 's certainly different than any of uh, than a lot of the other guys out there, but for Arthur Rinderneck, I mean he played you know top level uh spot for texas a and m and that was a team with Vashiro, with Habib with Jordi Arcanada as well uh, so many talented players. but did you see this sort of level from him where you know right now he 's been a top sixty player on tour this year in terms of the points he 's accumulated i think he 's number five in the ATP race, and yeah, it's the end of February, but did you see a world where Arthur Rinderneck would jump into the top 200 by age 24? Not this quickly, I wouldn't think, and I think the interesting thing there is, and I'm looking at the the live rankings for the college guys that I have up on the site, and you know, seeing how many of those guys that I've got to see play just in the last four years uh, uh, that I've, you know, been on site at a lot of these college venues, and the one thing that actually stands out at me is kind of to the point you just made is Rinderneck is the only one of them that his senior year did not play number one. Uh, so you got Cam Norrie, Dom Kopfer, both top oh, 100 Kipson guys. Oh, Kipson played one. Kipson yeah. played one for oh, them, and yeah. Rinderneck played two. Uh, and remember that that we were we were at that semifinal, mm-hmm. uh, our quarter, I'm sorry, quarterfinal match at NCAAs Florida. between Florida and Texas. Saying them, and it was Ingoldson versus Rinderneck at two. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
but uh, how the but yeah. how the tides have turned. Arthur Rinderneck in the top two hundred. Yeah. Johannes Englundsen out of the Florida lineup. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, that, that's you think. Two years ago, we were seeing that in NCAAs, and now we're looking at Arthur Rinderneck, 160 in the world. Engelson can't make top six on the Florida roster. I mean, that is crazy. That's that's just nuts. But uh, but yeah, no, it's I mean, it's it's so much fun to see these guys. And then like I'm looking down through it, it's this first 20 on the page. You got Rinderneck, Cressy, Torpegard, Schnur, Kwiatkowski, and Harris, and Andy Harris all. All guys that we saw, Bradenstein, I, I only got to see a very little of uh, b- before he left, but but the other guys all saw quite a bit of. So yeah, it's uh, I mean it's a lot of fun seeing seeing those guys, and you know for sure it looks like JJ Wolf is just I mean he's on the rise, like you said, he's up to 144. I don't think that's going to stop. I mean I would expect that uh, that we're going to see him in the top hundred here soon. Yeah. yeah. I- I think that's completely fair, and you know you can throw in so many other guys as well, the Chris Eubankses of the world, and so on and so forth. They're all finding success on the Pro Tour right now, so it's a testament to the health of where this game is at. Two other quick results, and Chris, you can add them, uh, add anything you want, but just Maddie, your thoughts: a Golbus over Janowitz for the Challenger title. That's hilarious. You know, you <laughs> yeah. tell that's a match Chris watched on ESPN in 2010, where it's like, hey, this Pro Tennis thing's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> one of those rare matches he saw. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, that title, and then, you know, for 19-year-old Diego Sabathvild uh, of Brazil, he knocks off Casper Ruud today to win his first ATP title for Vild. He'll have jump uh, with this result, I believe. It's like something like 69 spots in the rankings. He's up to a new career high, number 113. Uh, the young Brazilians had so much success on the dirt already in his career, and he looked phenomenal today. Your thoughts on those matches before we wrap this bad boy up? Yeah, no, I mean, for Tiago, first player born in 2000 to win an ATP um, title. So that's kind and of And that comes from Luca Beck, right? Luca Beck with all yep. those great stats on Twitter. That's right. Um, so, I mean, for him, obviously, it's huge. He's definitely a clay quarter. I mean, you can tell in his game. So, um, yeah, good for him to, to pick up that title. It's, it's a huge win. And then, yeah, no, I'm just happy to see Janowitz on the court, right? I mean, that's a guy that we probably never thought we were going to see play tennis again. So... Um, anytime that he can match up with a guy like Ernest Galvez, it just brings a smile to my face. You know what I'm talking about, Gruskin. It's just funny <laughs> to see those two guys on the court. It's it's great. I love it. I will say one of my best impersonations is the how many times it's no fun to play like this when he flips out in that U.S. Open match against Samdev Devarman. Uh, if you haven't seen that, go check out those highlights on YouTube. It's an all-time Jersey Janowitz classic. Um, yeah, forced on the Sabath Vild note, uh, you talked about him uh, being the first guy born in 2000 to win an ATP title. I mean, the company he's joined of late for the 99s, it was Dimenauer, the 98s, Tiafo, but 97s, Virev, 6. Hatchinov, five Kyrgios, four Pui. Uh, you know, those are a lot of can't miss names. So that's good company. Now, there are a couple in there, you know, the Tomiches of the world, but even he was top 20 at one point. Uh, but before that, listen to this stretch Dimitrov, Rayonich, Nishikori, Del Potro, Murray, Nadal, Burdich, Soderling, Verdasco, Correa, Hewitt, Safin. If you're like, hey, uh, Tiago, that's your worst case scenario, he'd be like, yeah, I'll take any of those. Please sign me up right now uh, for those sorts of careers. So great result for Tiago Sabathfield, who, as you 
you mentioned, uh, looks so comfortable on the dirt. But that's really uh, the, the majority of the news right now going. Uh, that is, I guess, all the news from this weekend's tennis. And of course, if you missed any of those pro results from the Saturday finals, be sure to go to our uh, YouTube account right now. Type in Cracked Rackets. You can find that video podcast as the podcast form, I think, is Patreon uh, subscriber only. Although, of course, if you want to hear it in podcast form, if you're like Alex, your voice is enough. I don't need to see the poor hairline. I don't need to see what a hungover you looks like. You, of course, can go. Um, but if you want to see all those things, uh, go to YouTube. But if you don't want to see them, just sign up for our Patreon. It's real easy. Uh, you know, as little as $2 a month really goes a long way for us here at Crack Rackets. And we're so grateful to so many of you uh, who have already taken the time to contribute. But if you haven't, please go give that a look. Uh, what else am I missing? Anything else, guys, before we wrap up? Matt, am I missing anything from the weekend? There was so much, man. I mean, I'm sure we're missing something, but I think we hit on pretty much everything we needed to. Oh, how about this? Uh, again, from at Luca Beck, who's the man. In the last 10 years, only three players won the tournament in, we, in which they reached their first ATP quarterfinals. One of them was Tiago Sabathvild. The other, Juan Ignacio Landero. Can you name the third? I'll give you a hint. He's a one-hit wonder. He made a semifinal at a major, and you haven't heard from him since. Oh, no, that's a lie. That's not who this player is. I, th- I read it wrong. I read Cecchinato. It was Matteo Berrettini. I should have said, Matty, it's your favorite. Oh, my boy. I read Marco Cecchinato. That's just, that was, that's like what I accused. No, that's what I accused you of doing with the foos, by the way, Chris, is what I just did with Berrettini and Cecchinato. So I apologize. <laughs> they don't even but have the same last name. Yeah, exactly. But go on, Chris. Your final I, thoughts? So, yeah, you know, my final thought is first, I'm not going to listen to you butcher Tiago's name anymore. But first. You tell me again how to say Axel Neff. It's Axel Neve. Neve. Okay. Because like, I'm, I'm never going to. Re- I'm never going to remember that, but I'm going to try. And now, uh-huh. now I'm going to tell you to go listen to the darn little speaker thingy on the ATP tour, and it's Zyboch Vilch. Yeah, it's Zyboch Vilch. That's yes. why I say Sabeth Vilch. Vilch. I can do yeah. that. Tiago Zyboch <laughs> Vilch, my friend. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not, Even though he's yeah. Brazilian, he's not Croatian. It's definitely well, you know, the, not. The, so the funny thing is, I was at the you know my at the uh, in laws with my wife for a birthday party today, and and her nephew is married to a girl from Brazil, and I showed her that. I said, "This guy won his first title today. Say his name." And she looks at me. She's like, "That's not Brazilian." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, uh, you know, she's like, I, I, it's Zyboch, but I have no idea. Like, she, she the, the last name. To her, didn't look Brazilian. She was like, ah, I'm not sure how he'd say that. <laughs> Sabeth Vild. His parents nope. are probably it's Sibich from... Vilch. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. One of his parents is probably not from Brazil. They're probably European or something. I, I don't know that, but... Yeah, it's it not... Would, it would make sense if they were. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's good. I like that sort of reporting. That feels like a good note to end on is one of his parents might or might not be Brazilian. Feels like that sums up this <laughs> yeah, weekend I mean, of don't, tennis. Don't quote me on that. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> no, I'm going right now quickly to a little Wikipedia search. Oh, he doesn't even have like the background of him yet because he's so young in his career. All it has is the Brazilian flag. Um, so we'll <laughs> see. I can tell you his coach is Joe Zvech. Zvech. Sebich Vild. Vilch. God, you, you screwed me, Chris. I'm done pronouncing his name. And yeah, I'm not trying to make built, fun of it. I, no, for the out of wild. It's just not going to, yeah. for us Americans, it's not going to seem right. 
yeah. No, and believe me, I'm trying to adjust. This is me, a live form of me adjusting because we don't want to get it wrong, but obviously that's one we'll have to put in the queue. And it's great, by the way, that the ATP makes all or makes all the players. I'm sure they're like, hey, can you just pronounce your name? So like when people can go look it up later. That's just a genius little thing. You have to imagine there's like this social media intern in like 2011 who was like, hey guys, like what if we just ask the players to pronounce it for us? And they were like, boom, genius. You know, I, like get that we, man a job. We and that person is that. now, and that person is now Alex Gruskin. Nice to meet you all. You're welcome. Yeah, Yo, Gruskin. We need we need that obviously for college, so that we don't butcher like Axel Nave. Because I still want to know, Maddie, is it Galarno or Galarno? I don't know. It's Galarno. It is. You're, you're sure about that? I'm sh- sure about that. And if I'm what are you more sure of, I'm... that or Sabichvild's uh, player, uh, Sabichvild's uh, parents? Oh, I'm more sure about Alexi Galarno. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because I pull him up on the ATP. Unfortunately, he hasn't said his name, so you know I never know where the accent goes on that one. But yeah, yeah, well, that that's a that's one you should run around collecting when we do events. Uh, get get him, get the guys with non uh, non easy names uh, to to pronounce their name, and we'll put them up on the web. Hey, Patrick Maloney, come here. I need you for a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it Maloney or Melanay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They start butchering their own name just to make fun of us. <laughs> well, we can leave. Um, let's just say there was some Bloomberg Blumberg discrepancies early on here at Cracked Rackets. I was like, really, guys? Are we really going to be doing that? Um, <laughs> I feel like the U is very obvious. Um, but you know, we can save that for another time. Um, but yeah, it's it certainly. Yeah, Chris is laughing. Uh, already, yeah, you're, no, you're going to do that with your own dang democratic candidate with his name is not Bloomberg. <laughs> Come on. No. Well, no, that's a Bloomberg. B-L-O-O-M is Bloomberg. B-L-U-M is fairly clearly Bloomberg. I like that's that's kindergarten stuff. Wait, uh, who, said, who said that? it? Who called him Bloomberg? Let's just say his name indicates Brian he's Chris always. Wienerman. No, he's no. I was going to say he's. <laughs> He's always double. Uh, he's always double faulting. If that helps you guys, come on, think about it. Do you got it? Should we no, leave the silence? Double faulting Dalton? Oh come I, on! I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll call. We're giving him a pass. I'll give DT a pass. That's fine. No, I, I'm just calling him out. That's. Uh, I'm, I feel like we call him out because he might be the only person who listens to this hour and twenty seventh minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll give him the shout out. But yeah, that was just we may have to cut all of this too. I West off, I'm putting a note here in the edits. You may want to cut that entire rant just to play it safe. Um but that is I suppose an issue for me later on to cut it and since I brought him out, shout out of course to the super producers, Max Flickner, Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job they continue to do here so that we can crank out all of these podcasts as I mentioned. Uh we did have weekend mini breaks talking about the rest of the pro action not going to be released in podcast form uh but you can go listen to that, just the podcast if you subscribe to our patreon you can of course also find it on video at our youtube site uh it's gonna be a fun week i don't think we have any atp events on the calendar and things may scale down a little bit catch our breath before we get into indian wells
Dallas and Miami, but of course that doesn't stop us here at Crack Rackets. Mini breaks all week long, great shot pods, cracked interviews on the horizon, articles now firing week in, week out on our website, crackrackets.com. Be on the lookout for those college tennis power rankings. I've got another long piece in the queue as well. I'm not going to tease what it's going to be on, but uh, working some. Co- I, I think you guys will like this one. If you like the Tiafa one, this theme certainly along the same lines as that. So I think it's going to be a fun one as well. But that's it. Uh, again, I gave you final thoughts. It feels like 20 minutes ago, but Matt and Chris, any final thoughts? No, I can't give any more final thoughts or else we'll be yeah. here for another hour. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do, should we talk about uh, – I feel like I didn't get your thoughts on Sabalenka. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we can save that for another time. But shout out to College Tennis, which uh, gets an hour and a half because it's been that exciting of a season thus far. But with that in mind, for oh, Chris, did I give you a final thought or did I just cut no. over you? Yeah, that's both, man. We're good. We're <laughs> okay, well then, with that in mind, for my wonderful co-hosts and the members of the College Tennis Trinity, Matt Stachowiak, Chris Halliors, for our super producers, Max Ligner, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Diadem, that promo code CR50, at Aerobar, the promo code CRACK30, and all of us here at both the Tennis Channel Podcast Network and Crack Rackets. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Guys, early, long mini break, but what do we tell the listeners? Hey, that's the break. Hey, that's the break. We almost <laughs> caught him. Good adjustment. I love that. That's how like I'm adjusting the Sabichville uh, pronunciation. But we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you, folks.